Hello and welcome to the Two Farming Crawfords podcast. We are two dim-witted Scottish farming Crawfords loosely talking about farming and the trials and tribulations of Scottish farming life. Hope you enjoy it. So Crawford, so, how has your week been this week? Oh, it's been, a, it's been a good week, bar the weather taking a mick as per. So I uh, wasn't farming all week, I had a bit of a time off. If you're looking, if we're talking about time off like we did last week, I was at a wedding on Wednesday afternoon and uh, part of Thursday morning by the time I recovered. So, busy, was it? Oh, yeah, it was far more busy than it ever needed to be for a Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Slow Thursday. Oh, days I. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't doing a lot of Thursday morning. I was there, not fully. Were you night. on farm on Thursday, yeah, though? By about half ten, I came into farm on half ten, but yeah, yeah. It's but, not bad. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> Limping yourself around the farm. Yeah, just wondering about looking sorry for myself. <laughs> was it just you or was it the guys about as well? Uh, there was another guy there uh, going through some grain probes, uh, and we've got some fancy electro- ele- electronic grain probes, so we can see the temperature on the phone, which is quite handy. Oh, that's quite smart. We've not got any of that. We've got the grain stuff. We have thought about it. We just we've not had too much bother with like heat and grain before, mm. so we've not. I've got. I made myself a probe. Yeah, it looks smart. It it does the job. Don't use it that often because mm. we don't really have many issues. We just make sure and rattle it all through the dryer. Do you dry yeah. everything? Uh, only if, like last year, last two years in fact, we've not done a lot of drying. We bought a new dryer last year and it did like 15 loads, 20 loads. Typical. That was, that was it. So I was chuffed. Um, again, it's quite clever. We we tend to, when we buy a kit, we seem to go quite clever with it just because we love toys. So like today I was moving grain, moving grain, we was moving soil today out of a yard over to do a repair job elsewhere and uh, I just decided to draw a GPS curve line from the yard to the field. <laughs> just because I could. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? It's the older not. generation say that's lazy. Yeah, I mean, I mean, if you've got the kit, efficient. It. We call it efficient. They call it lazy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, no, no, we always tend to tend to go quite high spec. So I like the grain dryer. I can see it off my phone. You can see what it's doing. I can come back home and have my tea. See if the dryer's not on fire, and then uh, I can go and sort things out if I need to sort it out. But I don't need to be with it the whole time. No, that's or worry. So we. With our grain dryer, with the winter barley, we've dried. Yeah. I put a cabin camera in the hut. Yeah. So we could see the screen of yeah. the grain dryer for the first time without having to. Or Dad usually runs the dryer kind of. Well, I would I would fill it up last thing at night. Yeah. And then he goes up. He gets up at it four or five in the morning, whatever time yeah. it takes to get to it. But you're not always there at the right time. You just yeah. go down and hopefully it's at the right stage where you need to fill it up or whatever. Yeah, but yeah. now you look at the screen. It's like from from the house. Yeah. It's like the cabin camera as well. Like yeah. You check the cows yeah, exactly. via the camera. Yeah. That's great. No, it's great. So we always kind of do that. So quite, quite enjoy doing it. And you can see that we leave all this. We've got eight spears. Leave it in, around the whole shed. And then you can see each spear is named. I've got it on a board on the door where each spear is. Uh-huh. So you know which spot of the grain might be getting hot. And then oh, go put a spear in there and go get some air flowing through it. That's good, that. So, For anyone, any non-farmers, so that, what we're talking about grain spear is keeping a temperature of grain because if it heats up, you can get basically microorganisms of whatnot producing a lot of heat and it basically goes mouldy and goes yeah, off. Yeah, it, it starts to ferment. You can smell like mouldy grain in the shed when you open the door if it's going wrong. So, and the grain spear itself is an eight foot long, six inch wide or four and a half to six inch wide. I'm not fully sure. It depends which gentleman you're talking to. Uh, <laughs> 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 eight foot long spear with holes at the bottom, third drilled into it and a corkscrew on the bottom. And it's got a pointy bottom to it as well. So you literally... St- screw the spear into the grain, 
which gets harder and harder as you go, and it's always a race between if you've got your dad doing it next to you and you're doing your spear, you're trying to get two to his one. You know, <laughs> <laughs> that's the kind of level you want to be at. And then uh, yes, yeah, so you've got to screw it in eight feet into the pile, and always aim the fan exit towards the door. Is my always. I don't know why I do that. I always like to aim it towards the door, and then uh, then turn it on. Literally an electric plug, and it's like what is it? Like, I wouldn't even be half a kilowatt. I don't know. Don't know what powers and. Don't know what power, but it just totally basically rattles air through the grain. Yeah, so it sucks it air. It sucks air from the top of the pile. <clears throat> it sucks out of the spear. So you've got to draw air through the grain to the bottom of the pile, cold air that is, and it sucks the hot air out from the bottom of the pile out the top. Up through, right? Okay. Yeah. You can reverse them. We talked about it at college. You can reverse the fan and force air into the spear, and then the cold air then forces more hot air out of the top of the grain pile. But then you can end up with sweating grain on top. Yeah. It cools more area faster by forcing it out the other way. It's like saying if you put a tower... So if you put a, a line on the floor and had air flowing through the line on the floor, all the hot air comes out the top of the pile and you'll cool more area with less airflow. Um, so that is the correct way to do it. But I there's suppose. more downsides to it in terms of sweating. And yeah, unless you've got a massive shed. You're not going to have like eight yeah. foot spears everywhere. So... Yeah, speaking of putting massive big holes through something, we put a borehole in this week. I saw your video, it was, that looked quite good fun. Yeah, well, it was you, quite You got lucky, it looks at it. Yeah, yeah, it was, so borehole is, it can be hit or miss. Basically, mm. effectively, what you're doing is drilling a big old hole anywhere you want, and the further down you go, hopefully you find water. Yeah. And we're not near a sea, so there's not a threat of hitting salt water. No. Um, so, yeah, we went down to 70 metres, um, they drill a 140 mil, is that right? 140 mil hole, width of the hole diameter, um, down to 70. They went to 70 meters. They found water at 31 meters, 51 meters, and 60 meters. Wow! And basically, we put it at a farm. We're putting a shed up for cows. We did it there because the mains pressure is awful. It's mm. like top of the hill. Yeah. When the tadger's not working right, the prep's awful. Yeah. Um, so basically, we did. We put this in. I've got this water coming out. We hit it first time. We've got plenty of water. It's like amazing. So glad yeah. we've done it now because we've solved the water issue. The shed's going up in the next few months, and we know we're going to have plenty of water for that. And yeah. houses, it's near. It's it, we're not miles away from Highland Springs, so we might no. end up with really nice water. But then you'll never be able to sell that water for bottling unless you then. Now, the Highland Spring whole hill has, has no livestock on it, on it at all. None. They're not allowed any livestock on top of it. All right. So, because in fear of the water gathering muck from the sheep or the deer or anything. So, it's, it's bare. There's like pheasants in that on it, but yeah. it's bare of deer and bare of sheep. That's of for cows. that, you reckon that's for bottling? So, human, yeah. how's, have you got borehole? We do actually, yeah. On, we've, on one of the farms, we've got, because um, it used to be dairy, one of the farms. So, dad decided. Middle mid to mid nineties odd, I think he did it. And I was going to ask you, how did you find the site? Where did you get the site from? Because we got a dad got not we got dad got a water diviner who actually lived in Australia. This guy who now does stuff all over the world with his divining from his kitchen table. He gets the map of the the place that he's wanting to find the water at. It could be in Texas. They send him a map, and he stands over his kitchen table. Walks around the map a couple of times. No, and it works. The, I don't believe the you. guy. The guy could. He won't be able to tell you from that far away exactly where it is. But he's like <laughs> within that hundred meter square, you'll find water, and he's right nearly every time. And then so, but I, is he right because in every hundred meter, in every meter, hundred meter square, there's water. <laughs> Possibly, but then, but then, uh, so what he did when he came to ours to do it, Dad had him again on the kitchen table, got the map out of the farm, 
and Dad was hoping it was going to be near the yard. So he said, right, yep, we'll go around here, perfect. I reckon it's going to be within this quarter of that field. Luckily, that was right outside the house, so which was right next to the yard. Into the field to go, and he got his he got his sticks out, his his, um, his dividing rods uh-huh. out, and no, it was actually hazel sticks he used, I think, if that's the correct tree. Anyway, one of the trees walked around the field, and then whoop, they crossed. There we it's go. Like black magic. Oh, honestly, yeah. And then he got a wee chain out, apparently, and then the chain, the faster it spins, the deeper the water is, and then he and then he got a wee thin stick, just a tiny like couple of mil thick stick, and he goes that exact point right there, not there, not like six inches there and that way there. And the driller came in drilled Sounds the like this guy Could sell ice to an Eskimo Just about I sand to the Arabs <laughs> so, so They drilled the hole And they were 80 odd metres down I think it was Even further than that Not sure Dad was there Obviously Hadn't found the hole Hadn't found water And they phoned him And he said Ah oh, you're useless What's going on He goes Well did you drill What I said Aye just right next to it No 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 Did you drill What I said Well right next to it Well that's knackered So they came out again And about 100 metres 100 metres further on Up the field they found Another site drilled exactly where they said this time. Literally moved the flag out of the way and put the drill where the flag was, and then they found water within about thirty odd meters. Right, it yeah. wasn't that far down. So we got a company out, one company out, and they brought a diviner which cost like three hundred and fifty quid. It was there for half an hour. Fleed about the farm with sticks. Uh, there, there, there. I'm like right, okay, right, okay. Send us a quote for the whole thing. Got the quote in, quite expensive, and then I knew my uncles had put in yeah um, boreholes. They grow a lot of potatoes, so they don't even a lot of volume. So tried the guy that they had used, David Beat, and he's based out of Sweden. Yeah. So I phoned him up and said, look, I'm needing water, blah, blah, blah. And then I said, we've had a diviner out. And he was like, don't use diviners, a lot of nonsense. <laughs> We're like, right, okay, <laughs> whatever. Fine, right? <laughs> uh, anyway, send us a quote. So he sent us over a quote, much more reasonable than the first quote. So we're like, okay. And then my uncles have put in quite a few with him, so... There's a bit of confidence in him there because yeah, yeah. you know people who have used him. So we just decided to crack on with him. And he came to the farm and basically we decided, between me and dad, we decided where the best point was, regardless of whether it was going to give us water, yeah. but in terms of feeding the farm and not being in the way, yeah. we're like right there. And he was like, right, fine. Off he went. No messing about, <laughs> no no divining. He said on bigger projects where you're needing a lot of volume, he has used other guys with like, they've got these like, big electric backpacks on them yeah, yeah. and they scan the ground and he said that's kind of better but he, I don't think he believes in the guys the sticks so anyway he drilled it found water no problem jobs are good right yeah I mean I do kind of believe the divining rod thing because you do see folk get fence wire I think that works because I went out and tried it over yeah. like pipes and whatnot and it works but like I think if there's water nearby or there's water they're going to get it because they just need to find cracks because yeah, they found the it on multiple it. levels. So. Yeah, because yeah. the ground that they did that on for you, that's like shaley kind of ground. There's levels everywhere. So it's the same ground we've kind of got on one of the farms here, but yours is a lot higher up. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's what's happening. So that's been a lot of interesting things on the this farm. This week on the farm. Yeah. Um, so a couple of topics this week. Um, I've got a question for you. What's the best versus the worst part of farming for you? The best part is, as cheesy as it might sound, the satisfaction of seeing your good work come to fruition and seeing, you can see like, oh, you've tried your best in the drilling, drilling of a field to make it right. It's less common for me to see it now because I'm, I'm now driving to drill the GPS. 
So the track is not auto steering itself. And I'm not having, as long as I've set it upright, yeah. it's driving itself. Whereas I used to do it by hand for five, five, six years, I did it by hand. And I've just to really pride myself in getting it bang on and as straight as I could. Although I have now noticed when I moved to GPS, one of my interns was always about an inch or less than an inch different to the other end. And after 13 odd tram lines, it works into about four metres of a drift. Yeah. It's mad. Like I, I, when I first put the GPS on and was spreading dung, I was like, this thing's not working. I mean, I'm not, how, how am I drifting this far apart? But it was me, obviously, as the driver. Yeah. But I did try and play myself on that. So I was always good to see. I really enjoyed that. And like just making sure you've finished spreading fertiliser for the for the year and you've done your calculations right. You've, you've not had to go and buy extra bags from the merchant on the road. Uh-huh. You've, you've, you've worked out every single field's been bang on and it's just working great. No striping in the field, and it's just worked well. That's always great, and just seeing things happen correctly. On the on the opposite end of the spectrum, what's the on worst? On the worst, I don't. What are you like? Uh, with, oh, I hate I'm, this job. I'm, I don't really have any jobs that I hate because they're all satisfying in some way or other. I'm too positive thinking. <laughs> like, You're not know. a true Scottish farmer. No, I mustn't be. No, you need I'm, to be a bit more doer about because this. Because I kind of I kind of live on the. I hate you, this. Have you ever I seen, hate that. Have you ever seen the film Bridge of Spies? No. Oh, well, so I wouldn't even try and explain to it. Because unless you've seen it, if anybody on the podcast that's listening has seen it, there is a guy who is accused of being a Russian spy. Mm-hmm. And Tom Hanks is the man that's sent to go and find this guy. He's a Scottish guy, actually, incidentally, the, the Russian supposed spy. Uh, and he's very matter-of-fact about everything. Um, and uh, he gets taken away to question things. And she's like, okay, fine, yeah, no problem. We'll come and get questions, no bother. And Tom Hanks always asks him, are you not worried about this? Are you not stressed about it? He goes, would it help? <laughs> no, <laughs> I'm fully on that Laid mindset. Like, like, oh, it's going to rain tomorrow. Well, just do what you can. I mean, does it help to get stressed? Say, no. <laughs> there must be something that you're sitting there like, I really I don't want to do that job. I hate it. It's miserable. Pulling ragwort. I mean, that's probably the, yeah, that there kind of, yeah, pulling ragwort is a minging job. We, um, we need to do more of it. <laughs> it's such a minging job. My least favourite yeah. is washing out the hens. Oh, oh, God, I can imagine, actually, yeah. So we've got a kind of 4,500 free-range laying hens. They're split into two sheds, mm. two and whatever it works out, half each. Um, and every 13 months, the hens go out um, each shed. So they actually last a long time. I, 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 I was surprised how long each flock is with you for. Yeah, 13 months. So basically, every that means every six and a half months, we've got a shed to clean out. Right. And it's, oh, it's, it's a power washer job for two days plus another day splitting it all apart and stuff and I, the guys who go around as a squad washing hen houses as a job good on them <laughs> but definitely not for me but that is the worst job especially the last one we did was january it was baltic cold and you're standing in this uh, dark dingy shed yeah, yeah. power washing back and forward and back and forward yeah. oh i hate but, it but i, I wash your sheds out at home after you know i we saying earlier on that we, we got the young lad in there to give me a hand and uh-huh. you know, he's done the shed washing this year and he's done a great job of it. Yeah. But I quite enjoy that job, weirdly, because, you know, there's nothing else you... Like, at that moment, you're just... I'm just washing a shed. And all you're thinking about is chasing water out the door. Yeah. And it's, it, it's it more quite the, satisfying. It's probably more like before you start the job. Uh, putting all your wet kit back on, getting yeah. into it, getting your cold glo- wet gloves into it, and then going into the shed. But yeah, once you're going, you're just, it's... Yeah. Mu- Mundane, you just back forward, back yeah, forward. Get good podcast in your ears and you're away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, the, the power washer's too loud, you can't hear anything. I've tried that, putting music in all day. Really? I can hardly hear oh, it. Oh, yeah, I used to get the big Sony wraparound lug ones and uh, 
I, you get you get good ones. You know, I never I've never been a one to use like AirPods and things. I'm always worried about losing them and things. So my 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 yeah, your my worst favorite, one. Give me your worst one. That's my worst bit. That's your worst one. Yeah. My, my favorite bit is definitely new to me calving, calving cows. So we've been calving cows now for this is probably the third year. Um, never used to do it on the farm. I put them on when we got home. Yep. When I got home from uni. And yeah, there's like so much satisfaction in calving a cow. Right, right. When it's like a difficult issue, it's like three in the morning, you're absolutely wired to the moon wide awake because yeah, yeah. there's this 700 kilo animal in front of you which is trying to squeeze out this lump of a calf. Yeah, and yeah. it's like, if it can't, if you don't help it, you might lose the cow, you might lose the calf, you might lose both. Yeah, yeah. And then half an hour later, or an hour later, or two hours later, you've solved it, you've got both alive. It's at five in the morning, you're like, Oh, I Buzzing. feel amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's so rewarding. Do you do much of that, the calf and cows, or no, do you leave that to Tom? Tom, the herd manager, does... But to be fair, we don't even have to calve much anyway. No. So we've only got about 85 cows or so, um, give or take, whatever year it is, really. And there's some intils, they calve pretty well. You know, there's some bigger ones, some weird ones. We're now doing pelvic score testing. Uh, we're now putting a cellar bull over the heifers as well, the first okay, two-year-old yeah. two heifers, like to smaller. calve or two. So uh-huh. even smaller. So that's the first year of doing that. So hopefully there'll be rabbits getting fired out and that'll be grand. <laughs> bang, 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 <laughs> done. Boof, on the floor, done. No, we've not been too... Well, we've we've got... Last year we calved 40 cows. We're now up to 60, so it'll be 60 this year. But of the 40, I think there were three I had to kind of help that's with. not bad. It's pretty good so going. So it's not bad. It's pretty good going. We've got an, one Angus bull, so he spits out some pretty easy calves. It was only twins on the Angus side I had right. to deal with. Oh, right, okay. Yeah, and yeah. then the Charlie, there was one on its yeah. own, but nah, not but too yeah. bad. Now nah, we're pretty good. Like, yeah, yeah, the cows are pretty good. We don't, How we do you find the pelvic money. scoring? So when people, Again, people like, oh, yeah, oh you point. explain it, you'll know more yeah, about so, it. Yeah, so pelvic scoring is the vet comes out, um, usually a vet, I mean, I think maybe like a scanner guys could probably do it as well, but I think it's usually a vet, will literally put a measuring tool inside the cow to measure the internal width of the pelvis of the beast to see if a decent-sized calf could fit through the cow or not. Yeah. Which, to be fair, I mean, am I not right in saying that their pelvis kind of widens anyway when they're going to calve? Their ligaments not stretch and, and they widen out anyway. Um, but it does seem to work to an extent. And you, do you choose those animals to anything with a narrow pelvis, do you get rid of or do you just. Yeah, because you do that when they're heifers. Okay, yeah. So before you put a bull over them, you'd check them at heifer time, when just aye, before they go to the bull. Yeah. So right. you'd either then say, well, we'll put you to the smallest bull, or, you know, if they're on the edge, or you'd gone. say, just punt them, put, yeah. put them, put them to the abattoir, get them, get them fattened up, put them away, because they're not actually going to be much use to anybody. You'll get, because we're also pedigree, you could then, somebody could come back and say, oh no, she's absolutely useless at calving, this isn't the use, we need some of my money back. And uh, So you could, yeah. First year doing it, so we'll see. I know the cousin along the road, he's done it for years and he doesn't keep anything that is uh, too small. He's bits, they're all gone. Do you uh, keep your own replacements? Yeah. So you could, in theory, the biggest pelvises, you'll know that the offspring off of them are likely to have a bigger pelvis than others with a smaller one. So you're automatically, naturally, if you skin out one lot, the next lot are going to be better already. But then arguably, it's not all about the pelvic score. So we have, we have kind of started doing it, but it's not the be-all and end-all. I wouldn't live no, by it. No, So if you overfeed your cows before calving, like mm-hmm. near ring calving, they become too fat and the calf gets too much too much uh, uh, growth energy and it's too big. And so that's a big problem. We ended up having four or five cesarean sections uh, out of a batch of 20 heifers because they got kind of let into, we put them into a field of too rich a grass. 
Yeah, and right. I fattened them up too much before before uh, before calving, so we had to C-section. Before five. Would that was that an autumn or are you? That was an autumn calving. Autumn yeah. calving. Yeah, yeah, yeah autumn. right. So we're both we we calve two times a year. Okay, right. They're not just really productive cows. There's half and half. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, we we because we're feeding the ammonia straw through the winter. Yeah. We kind of almost can't overfatten them. Right. Like okay. The, the ammonia <laughs> straw it's decent, but it's like. It's effectively medium to low quality silage, so they're not. Yeah. There's not much chance of them putting on loads of beef no. and being too big. Yeah. So that's not too much of a worry for us. And have you priced up the difference between cutting, like really bulky strawy kind of silage, and really dry silage compared to just baling all your straw and putting nitrogen, ammonia kind of stuff into it? Not officially. We've not sat down and looked at all the numbers, but because we're um, majority arable if we took away that wheat straw that we use for ammonia we'd have to put in grass yeah so it's like you're actually weighing up getting rid of a whole field of wheat to put in grass yeah. and it's like we're producing this wheat straw which is for us on the arable side it's a waste product yeah okay it's got a little bit of nutrition if you put it back into the soil but yeah not really so we bale it up the ammonia was really quite expensive last year and we're having trouble this year finding it hopefully we get it Right. Because um, Harbour have stopped doing it hmm. because I think they might have had a spillage. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I don't, I, I, don't quote me on that. Um, <laughs> anyway, they're not doing it. So hopefully someone else is going to come through and do that. But right. for anyone listening, basically what the traditional method is effectively feeding silage to cattle through the winter. Fermented grass. Fermented words. grass, yeah. yeah. And what we do, and a few people, not it's not very common, but basically you take a bale of wheat straw. It can be other straw, but wheat seems to be the best. Yeah. Um, a tiny bit of moisture, so a dew in the morning, perfect. Um, it's, it's, it's already baled. It's baled, it's wrapped, it's then injected with ammonia. Mm -hmm. That then breaks down the straw and um, lets the cows absorb a lot more of the nutrition that's in it. So you only need to do it for... It only needs to be wrapped and injected for two weeks. All right. And then doesn't matter if you pierce it, it bursts, crows get at it, doesn't matter. And it keeps forever. Right. Well, not forever, but for, yeah, you fill a feeder it. up, yep. you fill it to the brim, and they don't get down to the bottom for two weeks. It's not gone off. They no. still finish it. Oh, nice, right. So I like it. Although and it does it, burn the nostrils when you open the bale, doesn't it? Yeah, it wakes you up. Oh. wakes you up after a hangover. <laughs> My <high> days. <laughs> yeah, Sunday morning, if you're uh, a bit feeling a bit worse for wear, like yeah. you were feeling on Thursday, yeah. Thursday morning. Yeah, a, a wee whiff of that it. and your, yeah. your hangover's gone. Yeah, and clears the sinuses. Fishermen's friends have not, I've got nothing on them when you're straw. Exactly. <laughs> okay, right. Your question was buying second-hand kit versus brand spanking new kit. Yep. Uh, yeah, so what, what do you reckon? There's, there's, there's things to be said about both because new kit, in theory, it is working correctly. There's nothing yep. broken on it. It is good to go. It's going to be potentially under warranty. Yep. So whatever, if it's a tractor, usually three, maybe up to five years if there's a breakdown, it's covered. You don't have big repair bills, etc. Mm -hmm. But then second-hand kit, it's less expensive outset to begin with yeah it should be anyway and then the second hand market seems to be holding strong it's still strong really from strong. was it all based out of the covid and the yeah, suez so canal and yeah so many oh yeah suez canal was a big thing for about that the uh because all the factories had to shut down during covid nobody could come into work and they couldn't build stuff and then they couldn't get chips because the silicon valley decided that the chips are still an issue i think they're is an it issue still really there was a story about um, um <laughs> big manufacturers 
buying loads and loads and loads of microwaves and washing machines, taking the wee tiny semiconductor oh, wow. chips or whatever they are out of them right. to put in their tractors, put in their, it wasn't tractors, I can't remember exactly, but they're more expensive machinery because it was worthwhile spending 500 quid on a washing machine to get yeah. this two pound chip out of it because they can't get them from well, the manufacturer. The big issue that the, that the Silicon Valley guys who are the biggest producers of these chips, I think, um, the reason why it was such a backlog wasn't COVID actually, it was the water. Because what they have to do between each layer of building this chip, they have to wash it with clean mineral water. So the so you think Silicon Valley is next to, in the middle of a desert. So having the, have, your borehole man will have had some job out there. He's had to dig down and <laughs> oh, find David some would have found it. David David would have found the water. But my God, they've had to do some seriously deep welling to find enough water to then wash these chips between each layer that they build them. So that was the issue. Is why was, a lot of them not made in China and that as well. There might be more over there now as well. Yeah, probably. But that was probably more COVID. The American guys was more about water. All right. And lack thereof. So, um, yeah, so that effectively put the second-hand market up because new, new kit didn't exist yeah. or it was mega expensive. So then it just drove the second-hand market up, yeah. which is still strong now. So it's like, yeah. what do you do? I don't it, know. Like, like, you look at the curve of the... Um, higher purchase cost if you like or just your, your finance cost of buying a new machine time scale along the bottom axis and that is you know that your, your, pence, your pounds per month should go down as the age gets older yeah. but then your repair cost pounds per hour ah yeah yeah well I suppose you same thing you just call it pounds per hour yeah but then your repair cost will then start to increase once your once your warranty's over and uh, you've done your 4,000 hours and your warranty's gone whatever, whatever your deal has been your repair costs are going to start to climb up so you need to decide at what point of that Repair cost curve do you want to be on? Do you want to be starting it at the lower end when somebody's sold it because they're out of warranty? Buying it without any warranty and going down in, down in the depreciation value and then accept the higher repair bills and downtime. Yeah. Or... Yeah, it's paying. not just repair bills. It's downtime. Yeah. It's time where guys are in the workshop and not out in yeah. the field. Because nothing breaks when it's in the shed. No. So, which is why you see... Like before potato planting, it, like the separators that the cousins use uh, along here next to us, they will strip down all the separators to bare bearings and right. then either replace most of the bearings every year because they're only like 50, 50 pounds a piece and there's yeah, only, yeah. what was it, 18 or something on an entire machine. So they might just do that or they will strip everything down, make sure it's absolutely immaculate and then make like properly make sure there's nothing wearing and put it all back together again, just to be sure that when it's in the field, it's not stopped. Yeah. And they'll do the same with the combines. They've got three combines, as we were talking last week about, do you buy one massive combine or three little ones? Yeah. So their three littler ones do the job great, because if one breaks down, they're all exactly the same, they do roughly the same hours each. If one breaks, a piece of machinery, a piece of equipment like a fan or a belt, they will buy the one to repair that, and then three spares. Yeah, yeah, Replace yeah. the other two and have another two spare. So... So the downtime's much much more minimalised. So it puts a big smile on your face when something shiny comes home, though. Oh, it does. Eh? <laughs> I mean, you folk call it shiny arse syndrome, don't they? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I mean, my, my uh, so my stepmom's really good at keeping a lid on on uh, on dad and I buying machinery. <laughs> <laughs> we could bike it all day. <laughs> and it's like, no, oh, you've just got a tractor. I know, but like, <laughs> we just don't tell mum. But on that, would you like to do a quick game? Yep, go for it. Let's let's have a wee quick game. So, so to listeners, I have in my hand a Farmer's Weekly. You can play this game at home. This copy is this week's one. It's the 4th of August, 23. It was put out. Now, 
If you would like to turn to page... <laughs> Everyone's getting their Farmers <laughs> Weekly out. Right, class, here we go. Page to 109. Turn 109 in the farm machinery for sale pages. This, this was Crawford number one's idea. <laughs> if it's rubbish, blame him. Well, you'll, I hope, hope you enjoy this. This is good for me. We used to play this in college all the time because we're so sad. Uh, right, okay, so we've got a Kubota digger, five-ton... Uh, sorry, it's a Kubota KX060. Five-ton Kubota, yep. Yep, so which was a six-ton mini digger. Yep. 22 model. It's got four buckets, quick hitch, uh, hammer lines, offset boom. Stunning machine with only 374 hours warranty until 6th or 6 mm. So the next March. 300 and something hours on yep. it. 22 plate, five tonner. Flipping heck. I'm going to go 40 grand. Not bad. It's 40, 46 minus 50 quid. 45, 9.50 plus VAT. Oh, I wasn't far away. You weren't far away. Bad. That's pretty good. That's right, pretty give good. Give me another. One more. Right, I'll give you another one. Um, let's I like this game. It's good. <laughs> You've got, right. I'm a bit clued on because we, we bought a digger well, that's why I, that's four why or five months ago. That's why I put the digger in because I thought, ah, oh, you're like that. Right, now, class, turn to page 105. <laughs> <laughs> this is, in, uh, this is a, the, the machinery dealer who's always got his page upside down in the Farmers Weekly to draw your attention. It says, this is a, a Stuart trailer. Never been kissed, it says. No walls or doors have been attacked by this trailer. Um, it's a GX 1419S. Yeah. So, um, 14, 14 tonner. 14 it's on... 19 cube. Yeah, it's on five um, five 606s tyres, that is. Yeah. Uh, 45R, 22.5. So the big fat tyres, yep. same as what's on your big trailers. Yeah. Uh, strung drawbar, as new. Uh, it's a 22 plate as well. <sighs> Trailers are expensive. They hold their value a lot. Like brand new, that trailer will be twenty eight. As much as that now? Maybe. Oh, maybe that's an maybe that's an eighteen tonner. Maybe an eighteen. Yeah. Maybe you'd be yeah. twenty five for that. Twenty four, mm-hmm. twenty five. I'm gonna go. So what year was it? Twenty two plate. Twenty two plate. So it's not. It's twenty three. Oh, you're a wee bit less. It's twenty one seven fifty. Twenty one seven fifty. So it was one thousand. £1,250 yeah, off. Yeah. 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 So you've got the VAT there. I don't know what they are, brand new. <laughs> but probably about that money you just said there, I reckon that's the new money. Yeah, brand span- like 18 ton brand spankers are, I think, just shy of 30 now. That's mad. Because that, 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 the guy we bought fuel bowser off of. Oh, yes. The, he's got a higher company. He's got, he's got 100 of those trailers on order. Wow. 18 tonners. Well, not exactly 18 tonners, but he's got 100 of them on order from Stuart's. I wonder if it was his big route, because it was last year, maybe there was hundreds of trailers for sale at the back end of last year. And mm. I wonder if it was maybe like his kind of company cleaning out yeah, the last stock. I think he's always gradually selling as he goes. He only keeps them for like one season, two seasons max. They have the folk to buy trailers from then. And really, turn them over. Yeah, because they've already had all their money out of them. Yeah, but like they don't drop in value. Like no. you're almost paying new price for them. <laughs> Wow, and you've had some 16-year-old donkey flying it up and down the road. Yeah. Crashing at the gateways. And you don't know what's happened <laughs> Twisting to bars and, oh my, it's been in a ditch. <laughs> <laughs> so I did have a third one if you want it, or we can move on. Uh, I could do one for you, pass it here. Okay, because I've not actually looked at the price of it. Right, last one. All right. Um, oh yeah, you hit me with any, not just any, I've circled, yeah. What, what kit have you been looking at? Uh, what, recently or? Uh, yeah, recently. I'm um, looking at a new sprayer. Sprayer, let me, let me find a sprayer then. You'll, <laughs> you'll be, struggle, there's never be... sprayers in the Farmers Weekly. <laughs> <laughs> there are hens, teeth. Right, let's go for uh, a dung spreader. All right, could do with okay, a dung spreader. Okay, right, 2005 Bunning 20 ton dung spreader. Um, twin beaters, um, weigh cells, air brakes. My days. Uh, 22 inch tyres, 650s. 
ideal for chicken manure sludges. So there's, it's, there's two available, but the price for one of them. Does it have the discs on the? Is it like a disc spread on the Rear bottom? Rear discharge, yeah. Rear, I know, but it's not like a disc, disc, disc no. discharge. Just beaters. Hmm. Good question. <laughs> right. Oh, but an O5. Spinning discs. There you go. Spinning discs, right. So yeah. But it's an O5. O5. So it's quite old. It's done a lot of stuff. Yeah, it's a good age. Carved some muck like. Uh, I'm still going to say 14 or 15,000. 10. Wow. It's a good deal. You should get it. Yeah. It's There's two of them for sale. <laughs> get into them. the business. Yeah, smashing. <laughs> get into the business. It's a good game, that. Enjoy that game. Right, let's get into a few listeners' questions. Cool, yeah. Um, so, this is from a non-farmer, Mike Ward, 90. Is your land your farm... Oh, sorry, what am I on about? Here we go. Is all the land you farm yeah. yours, or do you contract for other landowners? So, yeah. um, on you go, you go. Yeah, so I think between the two of us, we've probably got every variety of doing... Every variety of working land you can have. So, we've got um, a, f a few tenancies... Uh, we own one farm, uh, we've got a lifetime tenancy in one and shorter term tenancies in others. Mm -hmm. um, anywhere between, uh, well, a short term tenancy is like one, is it one to ten years or one to five years? And you can update it to a longer one to 15 years or something like that, I think. Or you can just update it, you can you can make it a mid term, I think you might call it. I, uh -huh. I, I never, can never remember. Um, but basically, we've got tenancies and ownership. Um, we haven't got contracting at the moment, we used to do contracting. When my dad's previous business got divided up, he contracted for one of his cousins. So he literally ran the entire farm for him and just shared the profit with him at the end of the day. Yeah, so we've got, yeah. that's what we've, we, so we've got, yeah, same, some we own, some that is long-term contract, um, and then the one that's like a, a, I don't know what it's actually phrased as, but yeah, contract farm that is a profit split at the end. Yeah, that's how Dad used to do it. Whereas you could do it the other way around, in everything that comes off that ground is owned by the person you're contracting for, and you're literally contracting hit your machinery and your time to them. Yeah, they they pay you for your Every time and machinery. Yeah. yeah, rather than we do all what we do is we do all the work. Yeah, we pay for all. We do all that through the year. Uh, we send out a... How the heck does it work? Yeah, we send out the bill. <laughs> or do you, or, and you'll sell it for them as well? Yeah, yeah, we do everything. We talk, we talk with the farmer as well yeah. and decide, are you happy to sell now and do this, that and the other? And most of the time... Because yeah, yeah. it all goes in your one big shed as now. So then when you, you're going over the Weybridge and weighing everything that comes into that shed... With a with a moisture percentage, so you'll know exactly the true weight of what that each yeah, yeah. trailer load is. Is it then literally right? Sixty percent of what's in that shed is is your own. Forty percent is your neighbour. Yeah, basically, thing. once it's all said and gone, and sold so all the crop, we then we go to we go to the farmer and we go to the accountants, whatnot, and we say, look, uh, this is the income, and yeah. that's the profit. Boom, split. I see. So literally, every ton is. Is is the percentage split for every ton? Yeah. Not, yeah, not any other way. That that kind of yeah. makes things simple. So, yeah, it's simple because we do everything. We pay for everything, yeah. and there's a profit at the end. Or no, actually, sorry, we share the losses sometimes. Yeah, but still, yeah. <laughs> we share the losses. But yeah, that's what happens. I know roundabout there's um, a big contractor who does. He has loads of different contracts, and the way they do it, instead of having it individual farms. Everything goes into a pot and every farmer gets the same split of the same pot 
because because they're doing mm -hmm. so much they yeah. cannot get to your ground when it's perfect no. and they can't they're going to be at someone's farm when it's perfect and yeah. someone else's when it's not perfect yeah. so it's to keep things fair between them yeah. um they put all into a pot and they all get the same out yeah so yeah, split, yeah, basically yeah, a split, split based on what land you're adding to the contract. Yeah, that, that kind of makes a bit of sense, but it, you know, you could be on the bad side of that more often than the good side of that, I reckon. But yeah, I, mean, they, a, they, they, I, know, I know who you mean. They are farming a lot of acres. Um, yeah, it must be a head, mean, like, there's so much logistics involved. Yeah, I mean, he's got, he doesn't actually have any of his own lorries, which I'm always surprised at, but I know the other lorry contractor in the area has his lorries constantly at yeah yeah yeah, yeah. said farmer back um, forward back yeah, forward yeah back forward flying all over the shop yeah they were I because I gave them a message the other night because they were combining right next door uh, like, they come in we're, we're gone we're piddling down the field with our combine and we're what, getting a bit of spring barley food? done yeah we're getting a bit of spring barley done and, and then they come in and they, they wipe out a farm in the time we do a field yeah <laughs> and you're yeah. like scratching your head like what are we playing at yeah. <laughs> but they're farming Nearly eight times as much, seven times as much as you are, though. Yeah, yeah, pretty it's, much. I mean, and they're doing it all with two combines. I mean, that's seriously impressive. Fifty foot, fifty foot cut between the two combines. They're non-stop. Sorry, no, they're ninety foot cut between the two combines. Yeah, it's bloody impressive. It's amazing. They yeah. just come in, blitz the place, and leave. Yeah. And because that, because I messaged them, I said, "Oh, can I chuck the drone up over your combine?" So, like, I could have done it, but anyway. But I wanted to ask. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, but be, be quick because uh, well, the lorries are stopping." So oh, he was. Right, yeah, yeah. So the lorries, because that was holding them up then, because they couldn't. The lorry guys couldn't keep going. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, but whether they get their own lorries or not, I don't know. Oh, it's probably not worth the time having their own lorries at the end of the day because it's, oh, it's really... just more logistics yeah, to figure out, it, isn't it? Yeah, and you got uh, again. Other cousins have two lorries in the road, and this is nine or well, it must be near nine years ago. They reckoned it was sixty pounds an hour to keep the lorry on the road. So I hate to think what it is now. Double it now, probably. Just about. Yeah. Okay. Here's one more question from Tom Lamb. Oh, um, listeners might know who he is. Um, anyway, are you having any stewardship slash wildflowers like most other people are? Currently, in, as in, in the whole of Scotland or just... Well, he's based in England. So ah, right. effectively, when you look at England, they've gone down that route, route a lot earlier where there is money available for putting in wildflowers, trees, bushes, hedges, all that jazz. And Scotland yeah. is not based that way yet. We are going that way, or it yeah. seems to be the structure of farm subsidies is going to be based upon um, all these wee things like wildflowers, like hedges, and that's basically going to add to your subsidy. Yeah. So the way I've or we've been told it's going to work out is over the next few years, they're going to change it so that you'll get a base, you'll get a basically a step one or yeah. a, a Tier one. Pillar one. Yeah, tier one where you get X amount of pounds for X land you are covering, yeah. right? And then every tier beyond that involves doing something, whether it's planting these wildflowers, and that gets you a little bit more money. And then if you do this, you get a little bit more money. Yeah. And you do that, you get a little bit more so money. The, yeah, the government's... I'm going to just do one thing here because we need to have this. Let's probably put an anorax on. <laughs> <laughs> He's got a zip sound. <laughs> He's gone all out. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh yeah, I'm glad you enjoyed that. <laughs> so, I hope uh, someone else did. Yeah. Um, so the, the Scottish government, because uh, land payments is a devolved matter, which means England and Wales and Ireland and Scotland all have different ways of paying their their uh, their farm subsidies. 
quickly before we go into this, farm subsidies, basically, it's different across nations and countries and whatnot, but effectively a subsidy is paid to farmers um, and that what that basically means is your food prices are lower. If, if there wasn't f subsidies, food would have to be more expensive. Yeah. A, a lot of people kick up the dirt about why do farmers get subsidies? It's like, well, take them all away, but your food prices will just go up. Yeah, exactly. Which, you know, on, on one hand, I'd be quite happy for that because then you'd maybe get better paid for what we're doing. But but, in but, the, but the reality is the government then can't control the land that we're doing. They can't say you can't cut your hedges between these times. You can't spread dung near that, but you can't yeah. spray near that. But they can have no input on it. If they're not paying us any money, they can have no input. Yeah. My XR ground, get raffled kind of situation. So they want to... The government currently, with their new plan for the new payments, want to have, as Crawford says there, tiers. So they've got a triangle system. They want to have the big chunk of the payment done on just acreage, I think. Hopefully it's big. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I could pull it up quickly because NFU have done a massive review about this. Have they? And NFU are trying to lobby for a much fairer system. Not quite what we've got just now, but a fairer way of looking at it and, yes, bringing in more greening which the greening is is wildflowers it's green strips between burns it's it's um smaller smaller amounts of acreage per crop per farm so there's a more variety of what's going on there's more biodiversity uh, you shouldn't be getting paid as much for trees because trees are not sequestering the carbon the grass or peatland or uh, even a growing field of wheat will sequester more carbon in a year as long as you're not ploughing it it will sequester it if you're plowing hey, hey, hey. it. None of that chat. We like the plow. <laughs> the reset button. <laughs> we like the plow. Come on, the plow. So, so they, so the government want to take also less favoured area payments, also known as LFAs, which is for hill ground folks. So that's for your sheep guys up up in the hills who cannot make a, a pound really at all unless they're paid by the government because they've got to have less than an acre per sheep. There's like one and a half acres per sheep they're having to run. It's nothing. So much extra ground. So they can't make profit per ground that's running. So they have to get paid extra, a couple of pounds extra per acre to help them out and keep them there. Uh, otherwise, the place would be just an absolute wilderness. Uh, other folk would say, that's a good thing. Rewild the place. Get all. Yeah, but but uh, and if you want to have it as a much fairer system, like four pillars, um, but LFA wants to stay in pillar one. Currently, you've got pillar one and two which is your greening is pillar two, so that's your green strips, and you get paid money for that. You can also get paid extra for taking like 10 hectares per farm block out of production for a year and putting it into um, wildflowers or into uh, green cover crops and like fertility building cover crops and things, and then leave, leave, lose a whole growing season to that crop. Jam all four. I mean, I should take, take potatoes out of my rotation. Mm -hmm. If I could be paid enough to do that, yeah, I would to do that. Every, it. Oh yeah, I would be paid for that every day of the week. No problem at all. I'd do that all the time if I could get away with not having potatoes in the ground, uh, because I think it just ruins the ground. But on a way. yeah, it's pretty. They're pretty harsh. They oh, pay yeah. well though. They do. But you got to weigh it up against what damage it does. Yeah, because then you know, are you getting the same yield back? Because it's been if it's wet harvested, if it's lifted dry, and then you get good, yeah, good yeah. nice wheat in behind it. And they've not channeled all the stones into rows every two metres. Okay. And that's like French drains down the field. You know, if they've not done that, you get a good crop. If they've done that, I mean, oh, my days. And you're holding the line back. I could go on for days, I won't, because <laughs> we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, uh, we'll get James Fairley at us on a big jump. Everyone will be clicking off. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, no, it's, it's a very complex topic. But England have gone down the route of no more subsidies unless you're doing green covering kind of stuff. And that's the only way you're getting paid in England at the moment. So a lot of people in the north of England, there's a thousand farmers that didn't take 
the subsidy payments at all this year. They just said, sorry, not doing it, and just didn't take the subsidies. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, and that's just Cumbria. That wasn't like, that wasn't like Yorkshire North, that was just Cumbria. Jesus. So, well, they might be pushing <laughs> too far, I don't know. But then if they could, they also, if they could help you out, rather than, I would actually almost accept payments for doing all that and only get payments for that, and then helping you out by um, saying, well, we'll help you buy a Clipex crush to make mm. your yard safer with yeah. running cattle. Well, if you could buy section control for all your fertilising and spraying and help you improve the farm efficiency by, help, by helping with these expensive purchases. Yeah, well, our agronomist is always like hammering. It's like the best thing the government can do is put out grants for drainage. Yeah. He's like, that is the, that is the one thing. If they did that, and they put a lot of money into drainage, yeah, because it reduces your leaching and your nitrates and all that mm -hmm. disappearing, and it just improves stuff so much. Because was it in the 80s, 90s, there was loads of grants for right. stuff? So loads of people put in drainage, but it's now coming to the end of its life. It's now yeah. getting tired, and the drainage across the country is not, not amazing, but drainage is damn expensive. Yeah. Anyway, so, right, we're going to move on to the sounds Smashing. segment. So I've got a couple of good sounds for you. Right, hit me. Um, what is this? So we're going to play a couple of sounds and basically Crawford's going to guess between one and three points. And Oh yeah, right enough. If, if, basically the loser pays for the beers next week. <laughs> right, here's my first sound. You ready? Yep. I'll play it a little bit louder. Yeah, a wee bit louder, yeah. Ready? That sounds like a... A ratchet. How many points? Oh, apologies. Three points. I'm going to go for three. I'm going to full, you're going full, full bore. Full bore, yeah. That sounds like a ratchet that you've left out in the rain for a night and it's, or, or it's getting a bit worn. There's a tooth missing on a ratchet and you're twisting it around in your hand. It's going... Incorrect. <laughs> no, I'm there. Oh, no. It is the, the reset counter on the fuel tank. Oh, aye. Well, I was close enough to a ratchet. But yeah, you weren't one. far off. Minus three. Minus three. Good start. <laughs> right, on you go. Right. My sound for you... Let's start this one. Let's make sure I'm loud enough. Oh, do you want to hear? No, put it next to the mic. Right, apologies guys, I'll try that again. Here we go. Oh, that is interesting. <laughs> when it first got going, the sound, I, I was drawn to like the fan on the grain dryer. Uh-huh. But it didn't sound like that after. But it didn't sound like ours after. No. But that you've obviously you've recorded that either today or yesterday or the day before, and yeah. you've not cut any grain. No, nope. so I don't think you've had your grain dryer going. No, nope. oh, it's a fat. Is is it a fat? Uh, would you let me? I can. So was that a three? And you're not taking the three. And I can give you a hint. I can give you a second one. That's a hint. I'll I'll go for. I need a hint. I've got nothing. Right. Here, here's the second one. Oh, yeah. So since I've had a hint. Does that mean I can only go for two points? Every hint is one point less. Yeah, okay. So I'll go for two. That yep. is your bench grinder. Correct. Ah, <laughs> two points. Bench right. grinder grinding a bolt. <laughs> Perfect. Right, here's your one. Um, let's go for... I've, I've got one recorded that I can't remember what it is. <laughs> anyway, I'll go for this one instead. And one more time. 
I reckon that is the outside tap. How many? How many? Oh, three, you're fine. I'm three, 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 three. Yeah, that was the outside tap outside your house. It doesn't matter what tap, it's a tap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, correct. Right, you're on three points, yes, I'm on I'm two. On, I'm on zero now then. Because I'm back oh, yeah, to you're zero. On zero. I'm back to zero. Right, on you go. Um, oh, yeah, this will be a tricky one. Right, full noise, here we go. Oh, beep, beep. Beep, beep is the sound now, of something would, reversing. So you'd have the, the first beep and then be, usually a big long gap. Then you'd have the double beep later on. But... So, oh, is it your... Oh, man. Various, various versions of these will have various different beeps. I'm going to go for... I'm going to go for... How many points? One point. Oh. That means I can't I'm lose. I'm confident. I can't lose if I go for one point. That's all you I'll go for your, your bail spreader, your spreader bail. I don't know what it is. No, because there's no, there's no electrics on that at all. Is there not? No, Just it's the GPS on and off. Ah... Oh. Bandit. I mean, remember I told you earlier on, before, before we recorded, I did tell Crawford that, or did we were recording, that I drove, uh, when moving soil, I drove a uh, line all the way out to the field. Oh, the curve. That yeah, was I drove a curve line out to the field, GPS so that was the GPS on and off. Bandit. Yeah. <laughs> I won though, so you're on the Bears next week. Yeah, yeah so, you only, so you're back to one point then, and I'm on zero points. Yeah. Because we drew it zero last week. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, dear, dear, dear. Oh well. Are we useless? Right, thank you very much for listening this week. If you want to go and follow us, we should have an Instagram now called The Two Farming Crawfords. Um, so you can go over there. If you want to ask us any questions, we'll try and answer them on the podcast as well as please rate us five stars on Spotify if you're listening on Spotify, which I think you might be. If not, I don't know where else you can get your podcast from at the moment. But yeah. Anyway, cheers from me, Crawford. And cheers from me, Crawford. Adios. Cheers, bye.